As we did with praying through Scripture, I think it's important to get a little hands-on experience with this. So, as I'm talking now, I want you to uh, find passage, verse to meditate on, and select a method. Find a verse or two, and find a method. And I will give you a few minutes to practice this, and then we'll talk about it. So, don't spend a lot of time on a verse. I mean, trying to find one. Any questions? No, no, anywhere. Yeah, just any passage. Find a verse. Find, select one of those 17 methods. Have at it. Any other questions? Okay. Well, let's, uh, you want to shift gears now uh, to the um, questions? I don't know where those are. Um, oh, they're right here. Okay. We'll do this. Anybody have anything else about meditation? I was just really encouraged, like you were saying, all the different ways that there are. Um, listening to Laura's idea of writing a short story, which I know is just something that she would absolutely do. It's something that I would have a really hard time with, but then the questions here that really, really helped me to dig deeper. Uh-huh. So it was really encouraging. Good. Good. All right. Um, All right, this one relates to meditation. Is there potential danger in letting myself look for new principles? Um, Couldn't that lead to non-systematic or non-contextual applications? Well, I'm not uh, advocating necessarily looking for new principles, but finding the ones that are there. I mean, what, what, what are the principles that are taught? Uh, I mean, with the Good, with the good Samaritan, what's, what is taught there? Um, what is the principle that's from that passage? So I'm certainly not trying to develop anything new or to um, find something that isn't there, uh, but to focus our thinking on what the text does say but to look at a passage, I mean, there are different ways you can, different questions you can answer of the same text. What principle does it teach? Um, then you can come at the same passage asking some of the questions we've looked at. So there's various ways of approaching the very same text. And I'm certainly not looking for any, any new principles there. Uh, so I don't know if that answers the question for the person who asked it. But if not, feel free to follow up on that, either that person or anyone else. So. To me, you're, you're in, in finding what is there. You compare it to what has been taught through there and see if they compare. I mean, that ain't my question, but <laughs> I didn't do that one. But it, to me, it, it would be it's a good way to compare what what has been taught and whether you're going to. And, and in that way, it may be a new new principle, a correct principle versus maybe one that has been taught wrong. Yeah, I mean, it presumes you know what others have taught. On that passage, but okay. All right, in the first session, were you saying that you should always be praying through a scripture and you should never just make 
a prayer up? Uh, or is it more of a guidance for a devotional prayer than you are having trouble uh, when you're having trouble connecting? Well, I, I w- certainly wouldn't say it's the only way to pray. Um, <clears throat> that when you pray, you have to pray through passages of Scripture. No, I, I, you know, the Psalms, in fact, say to us, pour out your heart before him. Uh, so, you know, if it's Lord, I, I don't understand. If it's Lord, I'm frustrated. Lord, I'm confused. Lord, Why? Uh, you know, to pour out your heart before him. He knows what's there anyway. But uh, I'm referring to the to the ordinary prayer, if you will, of the daily prayer where we tend to say the same old things, our, our routine prayer times. Our routine daily prayer times, not those times during the day when you cry out because of something that's in the moment. That's not routine prayer. You know what I'm saying? You know, Lord, help me, help me to make it on time. Or, Lord, what do I say to this person? That's different than, okay, here I'm at my established quiet time where I read the Bible. Now I'm going to pray as part of my daily pattern. I do it every day. That's the kind of prayer that tends to be the same old things about the same old things. Simple, permanent biblical solution to that pray through a passage of Scripture. But throughout the day, you're going to have other times to pray that might be spontaneous and just made up, if you will, in the moment. Follow up with that. Yeah, I would also say, too, that as you learn to pray through Scripture, the spontaneous prayers will become more scriptural. Right. Well, Father, help me not to worry about today because seek first the kingdom of God. That's right. And so you end up praying what you've been thinking, and your spontaneous prayer becomes Scripture's prayer. Yeah. Because you wanted it just to believe in Scripture. Yeah. Yeah, in those spontaneous, unplanned, unscheduled prayers, they are more biblically sound because you've been praying Scripture. Very good. And there's one more here. You mentioned in the first message about a spirit-indwelled Christian having a love or hunger for God's Word. What about the Christian who has a cold heart, a lack of desire for the Word, call in to question their salvation, bear down in meditation? Um The <clears throat> Puritans used to talk about uh, God's desertions when it feels as though God has deserted you. Uh, they also use the term sometimes spiritual dryness. And you can search for those kind of phrases on Google, spiritual dryness, um, God's desertions. And there are those times when God just floods us with a sense of his presence. But there are times we are spiritually dry because God seems to have withdrawn a conscious sense of his presence. Now, that's only a matter of perception because the reality is just what Jesus promised. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. But sometimes he does allow us to sense that he is farther away. Just like you walk down a tree-covered lane on a sunny day like this, and you feel the warmth of the sun, then you walk under the shade of those trees, and it feels like suddenly the sun is farther away. Now, you know it's not, but it feels that way. In the same way, God sometimes allows us to feel as though he is farther away, and in part, it's to teach us to walk by faith. Do we find him worth following even when our hearts are cold, our prayers aren't answered, and he's developing perseverance? Who wouldn't be a Christian if every time you prayed, your prayer was answered immediately? Yeah, exactly. But do you find worth Christ worth having, worth loving, worth following when he disappoints you? 
when he doesn't give you what you ask? Do you find in him sufficiency when his hand doesn't supply what you ask? And sometimes in learning to walk by faith, it's just like you take a um, 11, 12, 13-month-old chubby-legged baby that's been making its way around the coffee table like this, you know, and smiling and proud of itself, what it can do. And you say, okay, I think it's time. So you take it, put it in the middle of the floor, and you step back and do this. And they stand there and go, uh, which being interpreted means in adult language, you don't love me, you've abandoned me, I'm going to hurt myself, you know, and so forth. But in fact, you do it because you do love them. And they feel abandoned. It appears that you've withdrawn from them. And when they begin to walk and they begin to fall, then you're right there. Now, they don't think you can get there. It looks like you're far away and they're going to fall and be hurt. But they don't know how quickly you can get there. And sometimes God does the same thing. He withdraws a conscious sense of his presence. So we learn to walk by faith, but he's maturing us. So if the person has a cold heart, has no desire for the word, I I would encourage that person to stay faithful, to come to act to the fire. If your heart is cold, that's normal. God's word is like a hammer and a fire, he said. So keep bringing your heart, your cold heart, by the fire of the word of God. Your heart's not going to rekindle itself. It's going to be by means of the word of God. And a person who has no appetite for the word of God, if they are indeed a Christian, that appetite will return by means of the word. The word of God will will speak and will become satisfying and will speak to their hunger, satisfy their hunger and increase it. Good things about the word of God will not happen apart from the word of God. Your heart will not be warmed apart from the word of God. So there are times we come to it and it's like dessert. There are sometimes we come to it as like medicine. And like brushing your teeth. Nobody enjoys brushing their teeth that I know of. But as an adult, you do it because you know it's a good thing. You don't do it because you like it. You know it's because it's good for you. And sometimes coming to the Bible is that way. Through maturity, you say, I don't feel like getting into the Bible today, but I know it's good for me, and I'm going to discipline myself to do it. How many times in coming to church? You wake up on Sunday morning, and you don't feel like coming. But... You discipline yourself, you get up and coming, come, and you leave saying, I am so glad I didn't stay home today. I didn't feel like coming, but I met God here. God blessed me today. It's going to be the same way on a micro level in coming to Scripture. That sometimes, often, you may not feel like it at all, but that's, but that's where discipline comes in and maturity comes in. I've come to the Word of God, not because I feel like it, but by faith, because it is the Word of God, my heart will be warmed by the fire of God's Word. And the best way to do that, I think, is to meditate Perhaps the best way to do that sometimes is to pray through the passage. If it were within my power to change the devotional lives of every Christian in the world, it would be right here with meditation. I think that's the single greatest devotional need of most Christians. Because that's where their heart is nourished. That's where their heart is warmed. And if your heart is cold, if your heart is not hungry for the Word of God, meditation may be the solution there. Any other questions? On that last question, there is a, um, there's a poem that John Piper wrote. Okay. It's been narrated by uh, a bunch of Reformed pastors, but it's called The Calvinists. I've seen that. It's been a while, but yeah, it's good. Whoever wrote that question, especially the first stanza, is really encouraging. Yeah. It's, it's basically what 
Hmm. Very good. Very good. Anyone else? Questions going once. Questions uh, about anything? Sure. Well, so, I, I don't know much about economics or <laughs> nuclear fusion or. <laughs> well, we're getting closer. To your advice to the local church would be to learn how to meditate on the Word of God. And I'm guessing that the best way to do that would be to have somebody disciple. Is that <coughs> well, all, all reformation, all change begins with teaching. Can't expect people to do what they've never been taught to do. And so uh, the macro level, like we're doing right now, is is important. But then to apply that to personal situations, usually good follow-up. Richard Baxter would say when he would go to people and do the catechizing in the homes, that's when he would clinch the nail he had driven in his sermons. And so you're saying basically the same thing. We've heard it taught. Then you can customize that on an individual level through, through discipling. Yeah. Yeah, that's always true. Yeah. I think it's the only the only thing there and it's not it's it's an add on to what Miss Susan said, but it's I think for me as a believer and for a lot of believers, when you get past that stage where you want to impress somebody with what you know, you kinda of wanna hold those things in because you don't want to necessarily be prideful. So finding that balance in those something I don't know, have you ever I guess as a teacher you're your um, occupation is to share the insights of the Lord has given you, but where is that balance for a believer when you want to share from Scripture but also keeping a sense of humility as well? Well, I think, I think if you're involved in the appropriate levels of, of church life, you, you will have venues in which to do that. I, I think... Um, I'm going to write on this someday, but the healthiest Christians are at four different levels, uh, one-on-one, them and God, then in a, in a one-on-one type relationship, you know, a discipling relationship, then s- small group, some setting, and then the, the large group, the congregational setting. So you've got the congregational experience, small group where there's discussion, one-on-one, which is more what uh, pastors talked about and more intimate and personal and then you alone with God and so if you're involved in those you're going to have a context somewhere it may be here it may be here you're going to have a chance to where it's appropriate to share those things in the right spirit anyone else going once going twice yes Christopher
Well, in terms of pastoral prayer, I got to doing similar to what I'm doing in class, praying through a passage of Scripture. Uh, in fact, we I went through the Psalms, and it took a long time, but broke it down into pretty much all the devotional sections and, and would print those in the bulletin, the reference, each Sunday. And it, if it were a long psalm, I might have three or four from one psalm. That would be stretched out over a month. But, you know, eventually had them all there. And that would be the basis of the pastoral prayer that day. There were certain things we wanted to pray pastorally in every service, but it would go through the filter of that particular passage. So that, that's one way to do that. Another is just to prepare your own heart by whatever one of the psalms of the day or something else before the public prayer, and, and then elements of that may find their way into your public prayer. But if you, if you believe in praying through Scripture, then one of the best ways of maintaining the fruit of this conference and teaching it to others is to model it in the public praying. So pray through a passage of Scripture in your public prayers on a consistent basis. People will, you will catch it, I think, just by seeing it, people who weren't here. And you will, you will continue to remind the people who are here of the benefit of that. If people never hear this from the pulpit, if they never hear it publicly again, a lot of the fruit of this will be lost. But one of the ways of conserving it is to continually presenting it before people by example. 